Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our first reading in Gospel today are wonderful readings, and they're all about marriage. I'm convinced that the deep sacramental and religious meaning of marriage even within the church, has been in recent years rather dramatically compromised. We say marriage is a vocation. Marriage is a sacrament. Married people have given their relationship to God, surrendering it to God's purposes. That's the faith of the church. But do we mean it? Do we know what all that implies? Look, we can look at human sexual relationships at a number of different levels. Two people can come together purely for physical pleasure. And at the negative limit, this can be nothing more than an expression of violence. There's a very low level, let's say, of the man-woman relationship. We also notice the case of two people coming together for economic reasons or for psychological companionship. Many relationships, many marriages even, have this basic orientation and purpose. Now go higher up the scale. We might see two people coming together out of authentic love. That is to say, willing the good of the other as other. And that's beautiful to see when that level is attained. Such people have gone beyond the level of mere physical attraction. They've gone beyond the level of mere economic or psychological satisfaction. But listen now. None of these levels is the properly religious level. None of these levels, even the highest, even two people saying, I love you and meaning it, not even that level has reached the level of the sacramental Not many years ago, when I was doing full-time parish work, young couples came to me all the time for marriage preparation. We would talk, and then I would invariably ask them, why do you want to get married in church? I received over the years a number of interesting answers to that question. I might base a homily someday on that. But most couples would eventually say some version of, we love each other, and that's why we want to get married in church. I would respond, hey, that's wonderful. I'm delighted you love each other. But that's no particular reason to get married in church. Usually they'd look at me stunned, but I, I really meant that. Look, people in love have gotten married for millennia, before there even was a Catholic church. People in love can get married before the judge or the justice of the peace. Nothing's wrong with that. Two people love can compose their own vows, pledge their love to each other for life. It's been done for millennia. 
None of that has reached the level of sacramentality. Why would you get married in church? Here I think is the deepest answer. Two people come to church. They stand before God and His holy people and they make vows to each other. Why? Because they believe that their marriage is not about them. Let me say it again. They believe that their marriage is not about them. See, two people in love, that's great. I'm in favor of love. That's terrific. But they're saying this is about the two of us. We've fallen in love, and we pledge our love to each other. But a sacramental marriage has reached a higher plane. It's gone, to switch the metaphor, to an even deeper place. Standing before God, being married in church, the couple says, Lord, we belong as a couple to you. We believe that you have drawn us together precisely for your purposes so that we as a couple can fulfill a mission that you have given to us. Huh. I wonder, frankly, how many even committed Catholics really think about marriage that way. But this is what the readings today are about. The first reading is taken from the book of Genesis. We hear that God made Adam, and then from Adam he fashioned Eve, and then God presided over the coming together of the two. Listen now as the Bible describes it. That is why a man leaves his mother and his father and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one flesh. Is it for the sake of their sexual satisfaction? Sure, nothing wrong with that. For the sake of their psychological satisfaction? Yes, nothing wrong with it. Is it, furthermore, an expression of their mutual love? Yes, yes, nothing wrong with any of that. But, but, at the highest level, it is because their coming together has been presided over by God for God's purposes. God has brought them together so as to iconically represent God to the world. Huh. What does that look like? What does all that highfalutin language mean? Who is God? God is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father and Son are so intensely in love with each other that their love constitutes the third person of the Trinity. Their love is the Holy Spirit breathed back between them. God is a community of persons in love. A man and a woman fall in love and their love becomes in a hundred different ways fruitful. It gives birth, yes, to children. It gives birth to society. It gives birth to the culture. It gives birth to joy. It gives birth to a hundred different things. Do you see now, friends, in this way, the married couple in their fruitful love become an icon of the Trinity. 
Now we see their deepest spiritual purpose is to mirror to the world what God is like so that people might look at their fruitful love and say, ah, now I understand something of God's purpose. Now, this same motif comes up very strongly in the New Testament context. It was St. Paul who saw from the very earliest days of the church that Christian marriage has a precisely Christian purpose to symbolize the love of Christ for the church. Like the Trinitarian love, by the way, this love becomes fruitful. Christ gives His whole life to the church, for the church. The church now, in reciprocal love, gives itself back to Christ. And from that mutual love, there comes the fruitfulness of the life of grace. What is perhaps the clearest, surest sign of this love? Well, Paul named it. The love between a husband and a wife. The husband and wife who stand before God and say, our marriage is not about us, are saying, Lord, use our love in its fruitfulness to be an icon, to be an icon of the Lord Jesus Christ and His love for the church. You know, here's a detail that we often overlook. The sacrament of marriage is unique in this way. The couple don't really receive a sacrament. Rather, they are the sacrament. In baptism, we receive this sacramental sign of water. Confirmation, we receive the sacramental sign of oil and the imposition of hands. But in marriage, the couple themselves are the sacrament. They themselves are this living sign of Christ's love for His church. Now, now, the mystery of marriage begins to open up in a whole new way once we see this. Christ is living His life in you, married couples. The Trinity has taken up residence in you, married couples. And so now you have the interpretive key to understanding the dynamics of your marriage. Can you read a marriage psychologically? Sure, nothing wrong with it. You can read it physiologically. Nothing wrong with that. But see, the church is asking you to read your marriage spiritually. What's happening in my married life? Are there times of great joy? Sure, sure. Because Christ's love for His church is a joyful, life-giving thing. Because the love between the Father and the Son, which gives birth to the Holy Spirit, that too is a loving and joyful thing. And so the joyfulness and fecundity and fruitfulness of your marriage, that's the right way to read it. Is Christ's love for His church morally and spiritually demanding? Yes. Christ doesn't superficially love His church. doesn't love His church in a trivial way, letting it do whatever it wants. No, no. Christ continually calls the church to deeper life, challenges the church to live the life of love more radically. Married couples, listen to me. Do you challenge each other 
so that you can grow spiritually? Do you challenge each other, call each other to a deeper life in Christ? Well, you should, because that's another way that Christ lives his life in you. Oh, well, you know, my marriage, that's, that's, just, that's my secular life. It is not. Not if you stood before the altar of God and pledged your vows before him. No, now you're saying, I want Christ with all his spiritual demand to live in this relationship. Finally, is your marriage characterized sometimes by suffering? Of course it is. Because Christ is living his life in you. And essential to the life of Christ is the cross. The cross is nothing but the culmination of Christ's radical gift of self. And so, married couples, if Christ is living his life in you, of course your marriage will involve suffering. Because suffering is the price of love. How do you read the pain and suffering and trial in your marriage? Oh, it's just dumb suffering. That's all that is. Oh, it's just psychological stuff we're going through. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You read it spiritually as Christ living his cross in you, accomplishing thereby his purposes through you. In some Mediterranean Catholic cultures, there's a wonderful tradition. The priest would come and he would bless the marriage bed of a newly married couple. They would set the linens on the bed the way you'd set the linens on the altar. They put candles next to the bed as you would next to the altar. The idea is this married couple in their life of love are like Christ's love for his church expressed on the altar at Mass. Let that image get into your mind and your heart, married couples, as you reflect on the power of what marriage is. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.